Aldi is hosting National Hiring Week for stores September 12th through the 18th. Over the past several years, we've grown rapidly, expanding from coast to coast. That means more opportunities for you to join our store teams across the country. You'll also benefit from our newly increased wages. During National Hiring Week, qualified candidates will be invited to interview on-site and may receive same-day job offers. Join us and apply online at careers.aldi.us slash radio. Welcome to more. Aldi is proud to be an equal opportunity employer. As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. You are listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Mile High Huddles, Chad Jensen, and Zach Kelberman. Freeman is back there, blocked by Leary, caught for the touchdown! A two-yard laser, Fumangali, from the University of Wisconsin. Third and goal of the one, Lindsey is in, Janovich the fullback. Janovich, hit, nice big hit there by Kendrick, he continues to dig, he's not, they call a touchdown! They call a touchdown on a one-yard jump inside. Trying to set up the screen to his tight end, Noah Fant. He's got some room to run. He cuts it back at the 10. Fant takes it in. Touchdown, Denver. The first NFL touchdown for the rookie tight end out of Iowa. End zone caught. Touchdown, Cortland Sutton. His fifth career touchdown, but his first here in Denver. And now, here are Broncos Country's football priests to help you exercise the demons of another doomed season. I am exercise the demons. This house is clear. Okay, we are live here. A couple hours later than usual, it is the Huddle Up Podcast coming to you this evening. I'm Chad Jensen, your host, my co-host, my partner in crime, Zach Kelberman. You know him, you love him, been covering your team, the Denver Broncos, for a long time. Zach, I've, I've been in the car for a long time today, traveling. Yeah. I apologize to our listeners. We were, gonna, we were either just going to record it and then upload it to the RSS feed, but we thought, you know what, we've been so steady and diligent on the live pods let's just even though we're a couple hours later than usual let's just roll with it yeah better late than never but i want to put you on the spot here chad i want to wish you in in public viewing here i want to wish you a happy birthday it's a big milestone for you and uh take it from there what are you turning this year yeah who can guess how old i am let me see it in the comment (laughs) stream who can guess come on hit me what do you got here how old am i i want to see your best guest you guys i'm really curious oh Oh, someone got it right on the money jj dude you're sharp. You're sharp, my brother. Yep, today is, in fact, my 40th birthday. That's right. Yep, I turned 40. I kissed my 30s goodbye yesterday. Oh, look, Mark and Russ trying to make me feel good here. 28, <laughs> 29, a couple of low 30s. Appreciate you guys. But yeah, nice thanks. Ego boost. It's, uh, it's been kind of a busy day for me as far as my birthday, but I, I'm just stoked to be able to sit down with you finally and our great listeners yeah. here and talk about what John Elway had to say about Drew Locke, which we'll get to here in just a couple minutes. 
Yeah, it's exciting, and it kind of echoes a lot of what we were saying lately, and it kind of brings more positivity to the Broncos fan base than I think uh, many fans were expecting, considering how Vic Fangio has been very level-headed. Elway kind of went above and beyond that, so it's exciting in Broncos country right now, and I know we're stoked on that too. Yep, fans have been excited, and for dang good reason, but there's also that that minority of fans, I'll say, or fraction is maybe a better way to say it, who don't dare to hope. You know, they're, they're cautiously optimistic, but they don't quite want to get their hopes up because they have been so dashed in the recent years. And John Elway addressed that very mindset. And we're going to talk about that here in just a second. First, though, a couple of really quick matters of business, you guys. <clears throat> excuse me. Make sure you are following the show on Twitter. Super easy to do. Open up the app. Find at Huddle Up Pod. That's the best way to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happened with the show in real time. Like today, where I'm running late, things are up in the air, we had to push back the pod, the live pod, and we were letting everybody know on Twitter, that's how you make sure you don't miss anything as it relates to the podcast and as it relates, of course, to your Denver Broncos. And then also head on over to Apple Podcasts when you get some time. Do us a solid and leave us a creative review. And if you like the work Zach and I are laying down for you, Leave us a five-star rating. That's a great organic way to help the show. And it's also a means in which to enter your name into our monthly drawing. We give away, pick a name or two out of the hat of those who, for example, in December will leave reviews. We'll, we'll pick a couple of names randomly and uh, announce that at the beginning of January. Send you out a hat, send you out a shirt like Zach's wearing there as a thank you for your support. So take care of that. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. <laughs> Getting that just right temperature or getting an energy efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today, it's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com slash rebates. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. All right, Zach. Oh, wow. Steven jumping in with a $10 donation on Super Chat. A true superstar on Super Chat. Appreciate you, brother. Nice that little birthday gift, Chad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> happy birthday to me. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's my reward for uh, for going the extra distance tonight to get here in time to, to talk some Broncos. I'm stoked right. to do so. But, yeah, Zach, let me dial it back here. Thanks again, Steven. Seriously, that means a lot, bro. Um. John Elway, of course, we we talk about this quite often. He makes two weekly appearances in which we kind of, during the season, we get to kind of tap into what where, where his frame of mind is on certain issues and the, the storylines of the team. 
He does the Elway access with Broncos uh, TV, and then he also appears on KOA with Logan and Lewis on Wednesdays. And basically, of course, after Drew Locke went into Houston and completely just destroyed the Texans, record-breaking, historic performance, throws up over 300 yards passing, completes over 81% of his passes, three touchdowns, a ridiculous rating, I think it was 134 QB rating, You know, becomes the first rookie Bronco quarterback since John Elway to win his first two starts, and then also, of course, the first quarterback in NFL history to go on the road in his first career road start as a rookie and put up 303 touchdowns. So it was uh, – obviously, it's there's it's not just a guy going out in, you know, Tebow grinding out a win. I mean, even as exciting as Tebow was in that 2011 season, this was obviously a guy out on the field, Zach, slinging it, you know, showing that arm talent, showing that passion, showing showing just so many of the traits that you look for and teams covet, especially a fan base that's been so starved of a true franchise quarterback yeah. for so long, the traits of a real tide that, that raises all ships. A lot of fans, though, Zach, they've been doubting themselves. They're like, man, I don't want to get too out over my skis only to see him go out against the Chiefs and, you know, take a couple steps backward. Well, John Elway spoke to that in his conversation with Logan and Lewis on KOA on uh, Wednesday morning. And basically, without totally reading the quote verbatim, what he said, Zach, is it's okay to be excited about what you've seen from Drew Locke. It's okay to hope. It's okay to, you know, fall in line and, and get behind this young guy because the Broncos, Zach, they are stoked. Now they're keeping the, you know, the expectations right now. Uh, that's pretty measured what they're saying publicly. Elway used verbiage like game at a time. We'll take it one day at a time, game at but internally, Zach, this team is buzzing and it starts from the locker room, goes all the way up to the highest levels of Dove Valley. Well, of course, I mean, Elway is going to flex here because this is his handpicked quarterback and this is his chance at redemption after missing on so many quarterbacks. And even Andy Reid said today in their conference call before the game that uh, he really made up for the Paxton Lynch with by drafting Drew Locke. So it's a really good look for the Broncos outwardly in the public view to their counterparts in the division in the, in the NFL. Um, but there's no comparison that this hype now surrounding Drew Locke is, is the most I can tell since Peyton Manning hung up his cleats. There is legit hope and optimism for the future, and Elway is perpetuating that. The, I'm not surprised by that. That's another guy that he wants it, you know, to to flex on. But it kind of flies in the face of what Vic Fangio has been kind of being level about and being kind of measured about. He hasn't been too optimistic outwardly. He's been kind of being Vic Fangio about it. So it shows that John Elway still has his own opinion that's a little disconnected from the coaching staff. You're right. And Fangio, and by the way, Chris, thank you so much, my brother. You, he jumps in with a $21 donation on Super Chat. One of our steady, consistent supporters of the show. We really appreciate you, brother. Um, Vic Fangio on uh, Wednesday, he said something kind of interesting that, you know, he like you said, he's not a guy that's ever going to gush when it comes to, you know, doling out praise. And, you know, he's never going to succumb to the hype. But he talked about, I'm trying to find the exact quote right now that they sent me. I'll find it. If I don't find it in this moment, I'll circle back when uh, when I'm not on the spot. But basically, though, he he talked about how, you know, Drew Locke – oh, I know what it was. He was asked whether or not, you know, this is this Mahomes versus Locke is going to be a preview of things to come and, you know, this and that. And he goes, I hope so, and that he's going to have to get used to Drew Locke going on the road to play Patrick Mahomes once a year, which is kind of the first um, – it, it's a seems like a small thing, Zach, but it's actually the first time we've really ever heard Fangio 
hint at something beyond this game right. or what's going on this week as it relates to Locke. You know, maybe a Freudian slip. Maybe he didn't realize he had got he painted himself into a corner there. But yeah, this could be this coming game, Mahomes versus Locke. It could be a preview of the what could be tectonic head-to-head showdown in the AFC West for many years to come. I mean, even Fangio has to realize that it's it's a new time in Broncos country, and he's really instilled his culture, and, and coinciding with that has been the uprising of Drew Locke. And if you look at his performances, I'm the first one to say, let's not crown him yet, let's not put him in the Hall of Fame just yet, as Bill Parcells would say, but he has two wins in a row. He had a record-setting performance. He didn't just scrape by, as you said, Chad. He went out and dominated the Houston Texans defense on the road in a second career start. It's hard not to get caught up in that hype so as far as Vic Fangio goes I think that's pretty high praise absolutely yeah here's what he said on whether or not he wants Locke to took oh, let's see hold on where to go I had thought I had it bear with me one second you guys I want to read this quote for you well I'll circle back so we're, we don't have the dead time on the air but it's just I mean I'm really excited to see how this kid and by the way Stuart jumping in with a $25 thank you Stuart. donation on super chat so consistent my brother we we love you it's not just appreciate you. We love you, Stu. Yes. I'm just look. I picked the the Texans to or the Broncos to beat the Texans last week. It was uh, I, I was actually thinking at the the other you know leading up to to the Mile High Roundtable. My thoughts as I was kind of ruminating on what to expect here with Drew Locke's first road start throughout the week. I was kind of vacillating back and forth, but when it finally came di- time to sit down and go on record, the more I thought about it, the more I liked the idea. And for a lot of reasons, including the fact that the Texans were just coming off a big win over the Patriots, riding high, thinking they had complete command of the AFC South. Who are these three and eight Broncos rolling in, or four and eight, whatever they were coming in? We're gonna, we're gonna, they're sleeping on them. And so I, I felt like that if the Broncos were in the right frame of mind, they had a chance to sneak in there and pop them in the mouth, and they wouldn't, you know, when they least expected it. And that's exactly how it shook out. However, Zach, this game with the the Chiefs, they're not going to be taken quite by as much surprise, right? There's now two games on lock on tape that they can study. And the coverage is, I think, what they're going to see from that defense in Kansas City. You know, and even Locke spoke about this today at the podium. It's a it's a more multiple coverage scheme in which they are able to hide their the coverages pre-snap a lot better than the two defenses that that he has faced up to this point. So I'm really curious to see how he handles not only that going up against that defense, Zach, but also the fact that he's returning home just 22 miles yeah. from where he, he went to high school and grew up in Lee Summit, Missouri. And, you know, in the stadium, he's played in the stadium once before. Uh, he, as a Missouri Tiger, he played BYU there one time. So it won't be a complete first time. He's watched many Chiefs games there as a Chiefs fan. Emotionally, I'm curious to see if this just ends up being another game for him, that he handles it like a baller, or if that affects him. I think through these first two starts, I don't think anything's too big for Drew Locke. Obviously, he's going to have a big family presence there. A lot of friends are going to be in the in the stands at Arrowhead on Sunday. But he's really, I think, further along in his development than I, a lot of people give him credit for. He's a very wise beyond his years quarterback. The way he's handled pressure in the huddle, the way he's handled pressure on the field, and extending outwardly uh, as the quarterback and the true leader of the team. He talked about it after last week's victory. He said, I'm just doing what I do. I'm being me. And he already feels like he's established himself in that locker room. 
room. So I don't think he's going to succumb to the pressure. I do believe the Chiefs will be more prepared for Drew Locke than the Texans were. I think the Texans, like you said, Chad, they slept on the Broncos. They they looked past them. It was a letdown game for Houston. I'm not taking anything away from Denver, but they didn't really, um, I think, give the Broncos a lot of respect coming into that game. Kansas City will, and Andy Reid being that quarterback whisperer, he knows what Locke is capable of, and he knows how to game plan against him. It's going to be a tough matchup, but I don't think one that's going to plummet uh, Locke's confidence. I think he's going to go in there and handle his business. Yeah, here's what Fangio said about the challenge that the Chiefs' defensive pressure and just their their coverages could be for Locke. Quote, <clears throat> they do a lot of different things, both from a pressure standpoint and a coverage standpoint. He's going to have to make some tough and correct reads, figure out where to go with the ball quickly, and be able to decipher the pressures from the non-pressures and then the different coverages, close quote. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's not going to be an easy task for him. And, you know, look, that's that's one of the cool things that, you know, we've heard both from Fangio and John Elway and also many of, the, uh, of Locke's teammates is that the moment neither of these two games, his debut at home in front of the, the Mile High Faithful and then on the road, it never has felt too big for him. The stage hasn't felt too big. I don't think this one will either. Like, I really don't think this is going to rock Drew Locke going home to play. If anything, I think it can have a galvanizing effect on him as a player, similar to what we saw from Kareem Jackson down in Houston last week. Hmm, that's a good point. That's a really good point. And if they can get that type of uh, game from Drew Locke, I mean, you're talking about a big Broncos upset, their third win in a row, and I think that would cement him among all the Broncos fans as the quarterback of the future. Wins and losses are, are less to me, as we always talk about, than his progression on a down-to-down basis. If he can go in there and hang with Mahomes and beat a Reed coach team, a very well-prepared team, or come close to beating them, just look good against them, confident, solid, like he has... I'll take that for sure. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Getting that just right temperature or getting an energy efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today. It's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com slash rebates. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Russell says, what are we going to do about the second half? We will get smashed this week if we come out flat again in the second half against the Chiefs. And Zach, before we answer that, a report from our friend Benjamin Albright, who NFL insider now, of course, works for KOA with his radio show in the evenings in Denver. He had a report yesterday 
uh, on Twitter that basically said, per a team source or source close to the team, Rich Scangarello will return for a second year as the offensive coordinator of the Denver Broncos. Now, that being said, why all of a sudden – now, we know that Ben has some past ties to Scangarello. There is a relationship there. It wouldn't surprise me if that information came from Skangs himself. I'm not saying that, but the timing okay, of that particular report coming on the heels of the first game this year, Zach, where we've really seen Scangarello – you know, he's, his scripted portions of each and every game plan, for the most part, with a few exceptions, but for the most part, they've been steady. And that's what the, how we've known that, you know, if he can figure out the, the counter adjusting or the counter punch aspect of being a coordinator in game, we know his scheme can work in this league. We've seen it work in the first and second quarters, but it's the second half that he has struggled and things seem to be slow going. However, in the Texans game, the Denver Broncos came out and after they, they got out to a 31-3 to lead going into the half, they came out, and the Texans, I, if I'm not mistaken, they went down and scored on their first drive. Broncos, as soon as they got the ball, boom, down the field they went, scored another touchdown. That was completely different than anything we'd seen from Scangarello, and that was, of course, the, of course, the last points the Broncos put on the board in Houston. However, that was an encouraging sign that, you know, he's, like Fangio said, we need to go into this not hoping to win, but trying to win the game. And I think there's... I'm curious to see if it'll shake out this way, but there needs to be a paradigm shift for Scangarello going into each and every game. Maybe he's been told, maybe Elway pulled him aside, said, listen, man, quit worrying about your job. You're good to go, man. You're coming back next year. Stop worrying. Stop coaching fearfully. Just get out there and be aggressive and, and coach to win the game because now we got this report from Albright that he's coming back and so we'll see if he can if he can package a couple of games back to back, Zach, and and be impressive again as a play caller for a full four quarters. Right. I mean, first of all, I'm I'm just surprised there was as much question about Scangarello's job security as there was. I mean, you're talking about a rookie coordinator who's been dealt three different quarterbacks and he's gotten wins with all three, but specifically two young quarterbacks. That was what he was known for as a quarterback whisperer. So I mean, he was always guaranteed another year regardless. But what we talked about on on the pod the other day, Chad, was that Scangarello obviously he has a good eye for game planning. That's why his scripts always work out so well in the first half, in the first quarter. It usually results in touchdown drives, and it falls apart. I think more in the second half when he has to rely on his gut and his confidence and kind of his intuition that will come just as a quarterback with repetition and practice. And, and the more he does it, the better he will be. I think he's shown a lot. I think he's shown that he's uh, evolved into the newer age play calling in the NFL. He has a lot of newer dimensions to his offense. And I think it works with Locke as we've seen the last two weeks. So in terms of Scangarello, he might start off slow. He might have had a rocky start to his Broncos career, but I think he's only going to get better just as Drew Locke will. Jordan says, I'm happy Skangs is getting a second season. It's been a little rough, but Locke has looked great, and they both need to grow and succeed together. And I agree with that, that, you know, this is they're, – they're conjoined, and they're going to get the opportunity in 2019 and 2020 to grow together. And that's the one thing you can't take away from Skangarello up to this point. Like, his play calling has been – you know, we've criticized it. And Mile High Huddle as a, as a publication has been highly critical of Rich Scangarello throughout this season. But the one thing, Zach, you can't take away from Skangs at this point is he has been a developer of quarterbacks. Like he gets the most out of right. that quarterback. And, you know, Joe Flacco, I think that's the exception where, look, man, he's just he's past his prime, dude. He's on the he's way he's beyond the back nine of his career. Like he's done. The, that first eight games, like it's the most boring, pedantic 
face palming quarterback play I've seen in a long time. So frustrating to watch, but seeing what he was able to do with two young quarterbacks so far in Denver, not counting what he did in San Fran, but with Brandon Allen coming out and out kicking his coverage, I think it was safe to say drew Locke just storming the gates in his first two starts. That's the one thing you can't take away from Skanks, And I think that's got to be also Zach, one of the things that's really encouraged the front office because they need drew Locke to pan out long-term. I mean, part of that also is having continuity on offense. They want to change play callers every single season. So Locke and Scangarello are really tied at the hip. And I think that's exciting for Broncos country because, as I said, as you said, Chad, he's shown glimpses. He can be a really creative play caller. And I think in that Texans game, yeah, there were moments where it looked like the old Broncos offense, the old Scangarello. But I think for all four quarters, for the most part, he had a really good game plan. He called a hell of a game. If that is a glimpse of what's to come, the Broncos, with their quarterback and their play caller, have a very bright future. Chris says, but how much time does Tom McMahon have? Of course, the special teams coordinator and Colin Godman not getting it done. What's your what's your answer there? I think uh, McMahon's going to be replaced after the season. I think that's fate accompli right now. I just uh, he's been the, the the lagging coordinator among that staff, and he's a holdover from the Vance Joseph era. And that you don't usually keep those coaches for long. And the special teams, I mean, it would be a deserved firing because the special teams have been underperforming. And Wadman is his boy, and Wadman is a key contributor to that. So I think both can go, and both will go. I'm not quite there with you. I'm I'm on the fence as it relates to McMahon. I think Wadman. I think that's probably going to be the ultimatum. Every time Fangio has spoken to the, you know, the life expectancy, if you will, or job security of McMahon, he has said, oh, no, nothing to worry about. Very dismissive. That's not even an issue. Next question. But it wouldn't surprise me, Zach, if the, the, the issue internally once this season is over, and it probably comes from on high, and Fangio will probably back it, is, look, McMahon, we've seen the coverage units improve significantly. Brandon McManus seemed to kind of get his groove back down the stretch. But this thing you've got with Colby Wadman, no more. The the ultimatum is keep your job, find a new punter, or walk out the door with Colby Wadman. That that's what my initial intuition is, but it'll be interesting to see what kind of loyalty maybe loyalty is the wrong word for it, but what kind of support he garners from Vic Fangio on this. I mean, I, I'll i admit that a lot of my opinion of, of McMahon being fired was rooted in when the Broncos were in a losing streak. They'd have to scapegoat someone. It wasn't going to be Fangio. It wasn't going to be Scangarello. If any coordinator was going to be scapegoated, it was going to be McMahon. But if they end on a winning streak, if the special teams improve slightly, then I can see it your way, Chad. I can see the Broncos just saying, you have to replace Wadman, but you're coming back for 2020. Inal81 says, I thought the Chiefs didn't look that good against the Patriots. Gives me a good feeling about this weekend. What do you guys think? Zach, the Chiefs, it's, you know, they can, the thing about having an elite franchise quarterback and an MVP caliber quarterback is that you can play an imperfect football game in all three phases, but as long as you've got that guy, he gives you a chance when the chips are down. And that's the thing with, with Patrick Mahomes is, you know, the Broncos have now had four swings at him and, well, three and a half, right? He only played until the second quarter of this last game. They haven't been able to take him down. They haven't beaten the Chiefs since week two of the 2015 season. Mm. I think there's a chance. I mean, there's there's definitely a chance because the law of averages eventually has to, you know, swing back towards the Broncos. It's been eight consecutive losses. 
And if there is a time to do it, I think it's going to be a guy who just sprung an upset of the Texans. And just like the Texans coming off the Patriots, the Chiefs are coming off a Patriots victory. They might be riding a little too high, feeling themselves a little too much, reading their own press clippings. If that happens, they take the Broncos for granted even a little bit. They give the Broncos an inch. True lock, like you just intimated, Chad, he has the arm talent and the ability to exploit that. It's definitely a winnable game. I wouldn't say it's going to be a 0% chance of victory. They can get this upset. They can go in there and win, but they're going to have to play all 60 minutes perfect brand of football. They cannot commit turnovers. They cannot be conservative. They cannot be weak. They have to be aggressive and on their game until the final whistle. Yeah, that margin of error is going to be razor thin, man. I mean, but you know what? Here's the silver lining. This should this should give fans even more hope. Is that the Broncos went into Arrowhead last year with Case Keenum and lost by a single score. Now that doesn't guarantee that that's how it's going to shake out this year. But you know, as long as Drew Locke walks that that razor's edge of being aggressive like he was in Houston without being careless with the football. Right. Like both of his interceptions that he's thrown so far in two starts were just rookie, you know, like rust, not enough snaps, been too long on, on the sideline, too long in exile. You get him more and more experience. I think those, those interceptions are going to go away. Question is, is that going to happen this week? Is this the week, as Fangio said on Monday, what are, what are you wanting to see from Locke in his third start going on the road at Arrowhead? He wants to see a clean game. And like Nick says here, all I want for Christmas is for our beloved Broncos to whoop whoop some chief butt, seriously. And I swear I'll have a lock jersey shortly after. Can you imagine? Now, we we touched on this, the implications of what it would mean if Locke could go into Houston and beat the 8-4 and four Texans and the hype train, you know, just taking off. It's no getting it back. Imagine that. If he goes into Arrowhead and beats Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, whom the Broncos have not defeated in multiple years, I can't even fathom. Like there's there's gonna be the the ho hum boo birds, not boo birds, but the you know, the naysayers. Yeah. They're gonna have a hard time not just saying, Yeah, there's something the Broncos got something here. I don't see how, I mean, right now it'd be a little much to declare him, I think, the QB1 for the next decade. But I think if he goes into Arrowhead and gets his third consecutive victory, beats Mahomes on the road, I think that hype is deserved. I think that hype is warranted. Right now, I mean, those naysayers are going to be there, but I think if he gets that victory in Kansas City, if he, he does what the Broncos haven't done in a while now, I mean, how could you even doubt the guy? I think even the most pessimistic fans in Broncos country would then come around, and deservedly so. Mahomes hasn't quite been the same. That's true since that injury. And he's been banged up all season, even before he he had that knee injury against the Broncos. So, you know, you got to strike while the iron's hot. And the only way to fight fire, you got to fight fire with fire in this case on the football field. Locke's got to come out and be dynamic again. If it's a, you know, stuttering performance similar to his debut, which was still impressive, especially that first quarter. But if it's more of a stuttering performance where the onus is going on the Broncos defense whose cornerbacks are, you know, less than stellar and you don't have Bradley Chubb, if you don't keep up and match the scoring of Mahomes from the quarterback position, then you're not going to have a chance. But that's why I'm encouraged. You know, we'll have to wait till the Mile High Roundtable on Friday that'll come out at milehighhuddle.com for our official predictions. But let me just say it on Wednesday, I'm I'm optimistic. We'll we'll leave it at that for now. Nathan wants to know. How's Fant's injury? We found out today from Fangio that uh, he didn't practice today. They're not going to practice him probably tomorrow. They're just going to be cautious with Fant. There's a chance he can still play. 
probably 50-50 would be my odds on on Fant playing this week. And, and Fangio also said basically the same for Draymond Jones. The good thing is, though, like Locke showed, he can get all players involved in the offense. So it would be a blow to the Broncos if Fant was out, obviously. But Hireman can step in. Fumagalli they have. I mean, they have some talent. And like Chad always says, like it's true – it would raise all ships. Just having Locke on the field can get the other supporting cast, the lesser-known people. Even Devontae Booker was involved last week, and that happens by having Locke on the field. So it would be a blow. I hope he plays, but even if he doesn't, it's not necessarily a death knell for Denver going into this game. Okay, guys, a couple more, and then we got to get out of here for tonight because we started late. We have to keep this one kind of kind of tight to a to a uh, deadline for us. Travis wants to know, though, what do we need to do to win the last couple of games? Well, first and foremost, you got to beat the Chiefs. You beat the right. Chiefs, Zach, there's nothing stopping you from finishing the season on a 5-0 tear Period. with Drew Locke. Yeah. Seriously, like, you beat the Chiefs, and all of a sudden, all things are possible. Now, still a snowball's chance in hell at making the playoffs because not only would the Broncos need to win out to have a shot at the playoffs, but they'd need basically, the last I looked at the scenarios, something to the effect of, you need Tennessee and Pittsburgh to lose out. So, you know, it's it's not impossible. It's just extremely improbable this year, even if the Broncos went out of making it to the playoffs. But could you imagine the feeling this fan base would have going into 2020? Drew Locke gets inserted, goes 5-0, and beats the Chiefs, beats the Texans. I mean, it's it's going to be exciting times in the Mile High City. And then, of course, you got a team going into the offseason, Zach, that – could have north of $75 million in cap space, mm. depending on a few decisions they might they end up making uh, internally with, with free agents. I mean, John Elway's going to be able to make some hay, and this speaks to what Sheldon wants to know here. What do you guys think about getting Akeem Hicks or Chris Jones as free agents also? Odell Beckham might not be in Cleveland. He has the talent. I don't like his personality, but we need mm. another weapon. I'm not really in on the Odell thing, but yeah. I'll tell you what. If the Bears – part ways with Akeem Hicks. I mean, that's a no-brainer for Vic Fangio. Go spend the money and get him. And Chris Jones, I mean, I'm willing to throw all that money the Broncos were willing to throw at Calais Campbell two or three years ago, whatever it was now. Take that money, add 20% to it, and throw it at Chris Jones and try and get him a la Neil Smith back in 97 when he defected from Kansas City after being a career chief, you know, perennial Pro Bowl pass rusher, comes to the Broncos, helps him go win a Super Bowl. Uh, in terms of Odell Beckham, the Broncos just unloaded Emmanuel Sanders, and he has half of the baggage that Odell has. So it's not going to happen, nor should it. They have a nice, solid nucleus right now, a nice, calm locker room. The last thing they need is someone like OBJ coming in there. Um, in terms of Jones or Akeem Hicks, I am for that for sure for the reasons that Chad just laid out. But to play contrarian to that, I wouldn't even mind either if the Broncos saved some money and just re-sign Shelby Harris, maybe re-sign Derek Wolf. Those two combined would cost less, I think, than one Akeem Hicks or one Chris Jones. I would love those players, but I would I would more so like the Broncos to retain their young talent, their own talent, someone like Shelby Harris. Jacob says, Elway will be aggressive in free agency and the draft this offseason if Locke keeps this progression. They have to take advantage of that cheap quarterback window. And that's a good point, man. You've got a cost-controlled quarterback. You've got to follow the model that has been established in very successful ways by other teams in recent years. Yeah, I mean, if you see – I think even if Locke ends up losing these last three games, I'm not trying to get you down, but if Locke loses these last three games, Zach, just what he showed in those the first two starts, one at home, one on the road, I think Elway, they know already this is our guy for 2020 at least. They might not have convinced themselves he's their you know 10-year guy, 10-plus-year guy, but – 
I think they've already said, okay, we have a model that we can now build around for 2020. You're going to see him go into 2020, just throwing money, you know, building the nest, stocking the shelves and kind of selling out to build a team the same way he did for Peyton Manning, that four year window he was here, but he's going to have more cheddar to spend because Drew Locke's making, you know, million and a half a year compared to the $30 million that so many of the other competitive NFL teams with franchise quarterbacks are shelling out to their signal callers. Uh-oh, might've lost Zach. And if we did, you guys, Hey, it's been a, it was, it was a great uh, conversation that we had and we're getting close to our, our predetermined Zach and I, he's got something still cooking this evening that he has to take care of anyway. But listen, guys, thank you so much for joining us late two hours that, uh, you know, we ended up being behind the eight ball this evening and you guys make it so worthwhile, man. Like I move mountains to be here for you guys four nights a week, gut reaction after each and every game, Monday, the aftermath podcast, Wednesday night, Thursday night, we will be back in the saddle tomorrow night for the mile high mailbag. So make sure you have your questions locked, loaded, ready to go because we're going to let our hair down because we had to be kind of short tonight. We're going to really spend some time with you tomorrow. So, Zach just texted me. He had some kind of an issue with the uh, with the pot, with his laptop. Just took a took a dive on him. So anyway, guys, thank you again so much. Quick reminder: make sure you're following the show on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. It's uh, again, it's the best way to stay on top of everything that's happening with the show in real time. You can find my partner Zach Kelberman on Twitter at Kelberman NFL. Myself at Chad and Jensen. Have a great rest of your evening, you guys, and then we'll be back tomorrow, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern, to uh, go through the Mile High Mailbag. Thanks for all the birthday wishes. Appreciate you guys. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go have some cake right now, my brother. Appreciate you, Bradley, Jerry, everybody. You guys are awesome. So for Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll be back in the saddle tomorrow night. Thanks for joining us. Our Super Chat superstars, Stuart, Chris, Steven, all you guys, we, we love you. We appreciate you. And uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. I'm Sulin Wong, host of The Prince, a new podcast series from The Economist. It's about China's leader, Xi Jinping. He's the most powerful man in the world. But he remains a mystery. His story is hidden behind a brutal censorship and propaganda machine. After 10 years in charge, it looks like he'll break convention to stay on, perhaps for the rest of his life. I'll tell the real story of China's leader, the lessons he learned from watching his parents lose everything and from rising through the ranks of a vicious regime. Now, he's using those lessons to control over a billion people. He's changed China, he's changed my life, and the decisions he makes affect us all. To understand what's next, you need to know where he came from. Listen to The Prince from The Economist, wherever you get your podcasts. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. 
Joe Biden and his left-wing allies push boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They push girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.